Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. I can imagine little Moshi running up to the edge of this valley and maybe looking down into the valley and then seeing this big pile of stones. And maybe little Moshi turns to his dad and says, Hey, Dad, what what do those pile of stones mean? Because he could tell there was something different about it. These stones were put together by men somewhere to commemorate something. Hey, Dad, was this the site of a big battle? Was this the site of some great victory for our nation, Israel? I remember as an adult, we went to the Battle of Gettysburg, and there were monuments all over the place. And you'd go over to one and you'd see it and you'd say, oh, okay, hey, this battle took place here and this famous scene from the battle took place there. Oh, that's where that famous soldier died. And you saw all these things that were able to commemorate for you. Oh, this is when that famous event from our nation's history took place. And this little kid couldn't tell that this pile of stones down in this valley... Maybe him and his dad were walking by together and they pass by this valley and they see this great pile of stones. But instead of commemorating something great, I can imagine that the dad takes a big sigh, a big sigh of sadness and sits down. And he motions for his child to sit down next to him. And he says, you know what? That big pile of stones down there, son? You're right. It's piled up there to help us as a nation remember something. It's piled up to help us remember a very sad occasion. And you know this valley? It's called the Valley of Destruction. Or the Valley of Achor. And, you know, that's not the greatest name, is it, son? No, no, I, that's a sort of sad name for a valley. Yeah, it is. And you know why? Because of what happened there with that big pile of stones and what that pile of stones represents. I can imagine the son, you know, little Moshi gets in closer. What's the story, Dad? Tell me, what's it about? Well, the dad says, it happened... A long time ago, not in a galaxy far away, but in our nation many years ago, and he begins to tell him the story of Achan. Now, Achan takes place during the campaign that Joshua is leading his people into. All right, so it's found in the book of Joshua, chapter 7. 
Chapter 6 ends with the fact that the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. I mean, that is a great thing to say. They had just defeated the huge city of Jericho, torn down its walls with a miraculous walking around it. They didn't even have to throw anything at it to knock those walls down. It was clear that God was fighting for them and that God was with them. And this was a great story. Then chapter 7 begins with these words, but... The people of Israel broke faith. Chapter 6 ends with, The Lord was with Joshua. Chapter 7 begins, But the people of Israel broke faith. This is already a sign that we're going to hear a sad, sad story. We're going to hear something that is really, truly horrible. Well, the thing is, Joshua didn't know that the people of Israel had broken faith. And Joshua is doing right and following God as best he can. And he says, all right, you know what? The next thing we do is we have got to go defeat the city of Ai. And you know how the city of Ai is spelt? It's spelt, get ready, A-I. That's how it's spelt, the city of Ai. It's northwest of where Jericho was, and it's up a mountain pass, and it's right at the top of the hill country, and if you defeat Ai, you are going to control that central ridge that runs north and south through Israel. You are going to take over and control a very important trade route and movement route and military route when you defeat Ai. So, as usual, Joshua says, all right, I'm going to send some spies out. I need you to go check out AI and find out what it's about. So they go, and then they come back, and they say, don't be afraid, Joshua. There is nothing to be afraid of at all. They barely have enough men to keep things going. It says there, the people who work there are few, very few. We don't even need our whole army. Let's just go up and attack it. We could take the city of AI easily now the thing is later on we're going to find out the city of ai was about twelve thousand people which is a lot of people it's about six thousand fighting men twelve thousand people in all this is not a wimpy city and they were fortified and they were strong so i'm not exactly certain what the spies were thinking when they said this Maybe they were just so confident about the miracle that had happened at Jericho, they thought, you know what, this is a smaller city than Jericho, we can take this, I know it's 12,000, but seriously, it's not many, we can do this, and so Joshua listened to the report and agreed. Maybe he was a little too self-confident, or maybe they were just trusting in the miracles of God, and so it says in the Bible that he sent about 3,000 men. You know, not big army at all to go deal with the city of Ai. And they were going to go up there. Maybe God was going to have them march around and their walls are going to come tumbling down. Or maybe they're just going to burst right in and everything's going to be great. Well, instead, the men came running back. Some stragglers after the battle. And 3,000 men went up. But they were totally routed. They were totally defeated. 
It says that the men of Ai chased them out from the city and won the battle, and in fact, chased some of them all the way to the point where they were able to kill 36 of them. And when the army came back in, dragging their shields behind them, exhausted, and people began to count how many there were, and wives realized that their husbands were dead and that they'd lost 36, it says that the people of Israel were defeated and distraught. 36 doesn't sound like much, right? But do you know how many they lost at the Battle of Jericho? Do you know how many the Israelites lost there? Zero. None. None at all. So for them to lose 36, this was huge. And for them to lose the battle at all, this meant that there was something wrong. And could it possibly mean that Yahweh was no longer with them? So Joshua gathers the elders of Israel. It says they bow down before the Ark of the Covenant. And Joshua plants his face in the ground. And he's not even looking up. It says he's throwing dust on his head. He is in complete mourning. He's upset. He's distraught. And he says, Lord, Lord, why did you bring us up past the Jordan? Why didn't you just keep us on the other side of the Jordan? Why did you bring us here into the hands of the Amorites, which was this giant clan of Canaanites? Why are you bringing us to them to have them destroy us? Why bring us over at all? It would have been better just to stay in Jordan. And he starts to weep. And he says, oh, Lord. What can I say for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land? They're going to hear of this battle and they're going to hear what happened. And then your name will be cut off from the earth. He says there, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And if our name is cut off, Lord... Joshua ends his plea with this. What will you do for your great name? Because when the people look at, when the other tribes look at the country and the armies of Israel, they connect it with this God Yahweh. And if we're cut off and if we're wiped out, your name will be defamed, God. And we can't have that. And that would be a great tragedy because ultimately Joshua knew all of this was for the glory of God, the glory of Yahweh. And what is this? And he's throwing ash on his head and he's tearing his clothes. He's in mourning. And the elders also are bowing before the Ark of the Covenant and they are weeping and crying and crying out to the Lord. And why have you done this? And the Lord answers, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? The Lord says, get up. And Yahweh then laid out for Joshua. This isn't Yahweh's fault. This isn't Yahweh turning his back on Israel. You know what this is, Joshua? This is sin in your camp. This is the nation of Israel, as it said there all the way back in verse 1, breaking faith with me, Joshua. You have sin amongst you. You have transgressed my covenant. See, before they went in to take over the land, 
Moses said, you have got to wipe out every tribe you meet. You have got to put them to complete destruction is the word. Cherem or harem. You've got to put them to complete destruction. You can't leave any of them out. You have to put them to complete destruction. And this idea is you have to wipe out the men, the women, the children, the animals, the donkeys. And then you keep all their gold, all their jewelry, all their great stuff, their their really expensive stuff. You bring into my treasury. Otherwise, you give them to complete destruction. Nothing survives. That's part of the promise that Moses made between God and the people of Israel, Joshua. And that's what I reminded you about before we went in. You have to wipe them out. But one of you hasn't. There is sin in your camp, Joshua, because somebody has not been faithful. Tomorrow, we're going to find out who that is. I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to get all of Israel ready because God ends with this. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take the devoted thing away from your midst. Stuff that was supposed to be given to me, devoted to Yahweh, devoted to my treasury, are now in your midst and they're hidden And they're in somebody's tent. Somebody in your tribe took stuff that was supposed to be devoted to me. Sharem, like I said, devoted to me. Part of the keeping of the covenant. Are you going to obey? Give it to me. But instead, they took it for themselves. And I will turn my back on you. You're not going to be able to stand. This is important stuff. Joshua realized that if they don't deal with the sin in their midst, Israel could cease to exist. If they don't deal with the sin in their midst, Israel could cease to exist. So this was heavy stuff. And Joshua thought, well, how are we going to do it? And God says, this is how you're going to do it. Get up, stand up. This is how you're going to do it, Joshua. We are going to draw by lot. I want every tribe to stand before you. And we're going to draw by lot. And we're going to find out whose tribe the person is sinning and not devoting things to God. Then we're going to look within that tribe by clan. And then we're going to draw by lot and find by clan. Within those clans, we're going to find a family. And within that family, we are then going to find the one man who is sinning and hurting all of Israel. It's amazing to me, if you think about it, that this one person, one person's sin can hurt the whole nation. I mean, how selfish of this person that they were willing, because of their greed, 36 men were killed. And what God is saying is that in the battle of Jericho, one man saw stuff. Maybe it was gold. Maybe it was silver. Maybe it was beautiful clothing. We're going to find out. But he saw something so wonderful, so amazing, that he wanted it for himself. 
And he knew the rules. Hey, any jewels, gold, any valuable stuff, we're supposed to put into God's treasury. Again, we're devoting it to God. We are not going to keep it for ourselves. But when he looked at that gold or silver or jewelry, wow, what I could do with the money. But hey, if you do that, you're going to hurt Israel. Things are going to, you know, your sin is going to hurt the rest of your fellow countrymen. Is it worth it? And this man, his greed was so great, he said yes. Well, the next day, it says Joshua got up early. He was going to get going on this problem. And he had all the tribes stand before him. And... He probably took a pot, big pot in front of him. And he probably broke a pot and he took out the shards of pottery and wrote on the name of the tribe of Reuben. Bloop, dropped it into the pot. The tribe of Simeon, bloop, dropped it into the pot. The tribe of Gad, bloop, dropped it into the pot. The tribe of Judah, bloop, dropped it in the pot. And dropped all these tribes in there and he mixed them around and... He said, all right, here we go. And he reached in and he pulled out the shard and the tribe where the sin was taking place. The tribe called out by God himself was the tribe of Judah. So he gets all the clans of Judah. All right, every other tribe can go home. And he got representatives of each clan inside the tribe of Judah, and he wrote their names in shards of pottery, and he put them in this pot, and he reached in, and he pulled out the clan of the Zerahites. All right, every other clan within that tribe can go home, and then he brought in the, the clan of the Zerahites, and he wrote down each man's name within that clan on shards of pottery and put it inside a pot, and he reached in, and he pulled out the name of... Zabdi. And it's Zabdi's family. It's his kids. Can you imagine if you're the dad and you realize it was one of your sons, maybe one of your daughters that had done this? The shame it must have been brought to your family and the fear for your family. And then finally it says he he brought his household before Joshua man by man. And again, he took the names of each man, put them on shards of pottery, put them into the pot, and he reached in and he felt around. And I can imagine the men are standing in front of him. They're all nervous. Or maybe they're confident because, hey, I didn't do anything. But maybe there was one man who was sweating. And he reaches in and he pulls out the shard of pottery and on it, is the name A-C-H-A-N. Aiken. Aiken. He's the one who did this. Aiken. The son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. I think they all turn and they all looked at him. I think they saw a man who was just mad that he was caught. There is no sense of 
hey, I am so sorry I did this. Please forgive me. I should never have done this. There's no sense of grief for his sin. I mean, this whole process must have taken a long time, maybe half the day to get all the tribes together and then all the clans and then... He could have at any point run in front of Joshua and said, it was me, I beg your forgiveness, pled for mercy. No, he let that whole thing roll through because he's hoping maybe Yahweh doesn't know what he's doing and I'll be able to get away from it. Maybe I'll be able to run away. Maybe I'll be able to get out of this. This isn't fair. And at any time he could have said, I am sorry, I failed, please forgive me, but he didn't. Instead, he's probably mad that he's caught. He's probably mad that Joshua was able to see who he was. So Joshua calls Achan before him, and he says, My son, he doesn't yell at him because he knows what's about to happen. This is sad. This is a grievous moment for Israel. He says, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him and tell me now what you have done. You know, he's basically saying, You're found out. Give glory to God by telling the truth. Truth-telling is so refreshing. Lying is so evil. Telling the truth gives glory to God. Lying does the exact opposite. So Achan tells him, you know, we were in the battle of Jericho there. We were fighting and, and I stumbled across this beautiful stuff in this person's house. You should have seen it, Joshua. I found a robe, a beautiful robe from Babylon, a beautiful robe. And then I found about five pounds of silver, Joshua, all these coins, five pounds of it. My family's so poor. We've never had a ton of money. I, I know we've always been taken care of. We've always had what we need. And this has been a... <laughs> the great tribe, and I can't really complain, but you should have seen this silver, five pounds of it. And then I found a bar of gold weighing about a pound and a quarter. I mean, that's a pound of gold, Joshua, a pound of gold. I could have been the richest man on the block. I could have been the richest man in my client. I was, I am. You'll find it all buried under my tent, in the middle of the tent, in the dirt there. So the police went, tore down his tent, tore back the flooring, and there it was. Five pounds of silver, a gold bar, basically a pound and a quarter. I mean, this is a heavy bar of gold. This beautiful, expensive robe from Babylon. They collected it all up, and they brought it back to Joshua. And now Joshua was sitting before the sanctuary. They're not in it, but it says they laid it out, as it says there in verse 23, before the Lord. So they're in the presence of the temple there, probably in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, of the glory of God. This is where sentences were laid down. They are laying it out before the Lord. And it says that, and they saw that it was there. They took Achan, 
the son of Zerah. And they took the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his donkeys and his sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought him to this valley of Achor or this valley of destruction because that's what Achor means. And they brought him maybe to the edge and they threw all their stuff down into that valley. They tied up their donkey and their oxen. They took his daughters and his sons. Now it doesn't mention the wife. And it does say in the book of Deuteronomy that you will have to pay for your own sins. It does say in the book of Deuteronomy that God will not hold the sins of the father against the sins against the son or the daughter. He will not hold the sins of the father against the children. And again, it doesn't mention the wife. And I wonder if the kids were in on this, if they were older, if they understood what was happening. Because it says in Deuteronomy 24, 16, Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. So it seems like the family that is stoned was complicit, involved in some way. Maybe they knew about the silver. Maybe they knew about the gold. Maybe they had plans of the best sneakers on the block, the best hats, the best clothes. And Aiken knew it, but again, it doesn't talk about his wife. But it says they brought them all down all these accomplices in the crime. And it says that all of Israel gathered with them. And in ancient documents, the act of stoning, they would take people to a pit and they would throw them down the pit. If they died from that 10-foot drop into the pit, it was over. And if they survived that fall, then the accusers of the person being stoned would take a big rock and go down to the bottom of the pit, and they would hold them down, and then they would throw it on their chest. And if the person being stoned survived that, then all of Israel would go back up and surround the circle of that pit, and they would throw stones down at that person until they were dead. Now, I don't know exactly if that method of stoning was used then, but I do know you're in this valley and I do know you could easily stand above somebody in a valley. And I do know they brought Achan, his sons and daughters, his cattle. And they brought all that gold and all that silver and the beautiful robe. And he brought his animals. And it says, all Israel stoned Achan. And all that stuff with stones. They threw them down at these people and at these animals until they were completely killed. And then it says they burned them with fire. They burnt up the whole thing. And as the smoke was billowing up and as the fire began to burn out, Joshua led the people and they took stone upon stone they placed it upon this to mound up maybe a, a pyramid-like stone structure. And so Moshe, as we look down at that pile of stones, that's where Achan and his accomplices were stoned. And that's a reminder to us 
we got to keep covenant with our God. 36 people died because Achan chose to break faith with Yahweh. Do we want that to happen? I can imagine little Moshe shakes his head no. And I can imagine Joshua grieved to the core to do this. But he also understands we got to obey God. It may not make sense to us. But we got to obey God. There's a verse in the Bible that says obedience is better than sacrifice. There's another verse that says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And over and over again, God says, you can give me all these wonderful things and you can come to my church every day and you can say you love me and you can do all these great acts for me. But if I don't have your heart, if you don't willingly obey me, if you don't obey me out of a loving heart, then it's all fake. It's all lies. And that's what happened here with Achan. It's all fake. It's all lies. But you know what also this points to? Is your sin impacts other people. Achan got his daughters and his sons to go along with him. And now look, they're dead. Wiped out. The poor donkey had to suffer. The poor cattle had to suffer. 36 men died because Achan chose greed. I just want to remind you, children, adults, whoever's listening, that your sin is never singular. Your sin is never individualistic. Your sin hurts others around you. And I pray we learn from the story of Achan. Let's obey. Let's do what's right. Because God will bless. And we will not hurt other people. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.